that I do not want to miss one thing that God has for me. And I wish that I wish that I wish that more people were like that. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears inside a locked room. The doors are locked. Why? Because they're afraid of the Romans coming to arrest them. Jesus appears and goes, peace be with you. They just walk straight into the room. Peace be with you. You wouldn't need to say that if you used the door. We've been uh, looking at stories of journeys. Abraham, um, with the inferred question from God, do you want what you've got or do you want what I have for you? And then the other week we looked at Tom uh, um, Peter's journey from the boat <laughs> to Jesus. And it was a journey that we said... Uh, had basically a journey to three words. Jesus, save me. Jesus, rescue me. Lord, um, help me. Um, save me, Lord. Th those three words that in the middle of the storm that Peter cried out the smartest three words that any human being has ever uh, spoken and, and shouted to God. This time, I, I just want us to look at a story uh, about a, a guy who, who we give a bit of an unfair rap to, I think. Uh, it's in John chapter 20 uh, and, and verse 24-ish, and we'll, we'll just zoom down through it because it's, it's, it's quite a long passage, but there's loads and loads of stuff packed into it as there normally is. So, so we're just going to hit some of the high spots in the story, and then you go away and study it for yourself and, and look at other stuff. This is... What's happened so far? Uh, Jesus has been crucified, uh, an incredible mockery of a trial, and then um, he's resurrected back to life, and a bunch of the disciples have met him. But one of them hasn't. And, and now, now there's a part of this story that I want us to concentrate on. Now, we've looked at this often. It's one of my favorite stories again. Um, but, but I want us to look at this again. So verse 24 of chapter 20 of John, this is what it says. One of the disciples, Thomas, Nicknamed the twin. Now, if you're reading a different translation, it'll say Thomas, um, also called Didymus, which, which means twin, right? Nicknamed the twin, was not with the other disciples when Jesus came. <laughs> I'm not lying. See, it's right there. Then it says this. They told him, we've seen the Lord. Da -da we've seen the Lord. Yeah, right. We think we invented fake news. Uh, like Thomas is thinking, yeah, right. Yep, typical. When I'm not there, you say you've seen him. Uh, it's fake news. And, he, and, he, and it's like, what a, I won't believe it, he says. And you know what? I don't blame him. I truly don't. Now, we, like I say, sometimes we give Thomas a hard time. Um, but I don't blame him. For, for 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 not for not saying that he doesn't believe him straight away. He says, I won't believe him. Now listen to what he says, because he's really specific here. Um, and it's quite interesting that he gets this specific specific. 
He replied, they shouted, we've seen the Lord. Yeah, right. But he replied, I won't believe it unless. Now listen, listen, because this is really specific and it crops up later on. Until I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them. Which is a little bit gr gross, really. It's a bit detailed. And I so put my fingers in and I place my hand into the wound on his side. And <laughs> you're thinking, I hope you wear surgical gloves. Until I put my fingers into the wounds and put my hand into the wound in his side. Now, before we get all high and mighty and judgmental of old Thomas here, this is not your typical skeptic, right? And this is what I want us to think about. This is not your normal skeptic. This is not an absolute cynic. This is, this is not somebody who's, who's, who's come out to try to trick Jesus or the disciples into doing something or saying something so that they can accuse him and, and put him on trial and, and kill him. This, this is not that. Because there's a lot of those people around. This is somebody who's seen stuff. He's seen Jesus walk on the water and call Peter out of the boat. He's seen Jesus feed 5,000 people with a packed lunch. He's seen Jesus heal lepers, heal blind people, heal, heal deaf people. He's, this is, this is somebody who's, who's not just listened to one of the greatest orators that's walked the face of the earth. He's seen what he does. And he's saying here, because I've seen that, I want to put my fingers in the wounds and I want to stick my hand inside the wound in his side. Now, years and years and years ago, Steve Martin, the comedian, made a film. Um, I need to be careful what I recommend to watch. So, so you, you may want to pull this film out of the archive somewhere and have a watch because it's called Leap of Faith. And it's a, and it's a sarcastic and satirical look at um, a con man who goes all around small town America in a tent preaching and conning people out of money. All right. Um, and, and, it, and it's a look at that. And, and it's brilliantly done. It truly is. And he mocks the televangelist. He has he has their their mannerisms down. Absolutely. He has studied this stuff. And so he goes to these different towns as this character and he, he rips people off and, and it's the whole story. But in the middle of the story, a miracle happens that isn't a con. Right. It's an actual miracle. Um and Steve Martin, I think he's one of the producers of the film too. He stars in it. He leaves this miracle in. Now, the Hollywood critics thought the film was wonderful. They thought it was great and thought it was clever, especially because it was mocking evangelists. But they gave him a really hard time for leaving in this miracle that appears to be a real miracle. And Steve Martin's response was this. He said, while I was researching this film and while I was doing due diligence and looking at all the different techniques and, and things that people do to trick audiences, he said, I saw things that were miraculous that I could not explain. So that's why I left the miracle in. That's Thomas. That's what Thomas is like. He's thinking, hang on a minute. You've seen the Lord? Yeah, right. 
But because I've seen what I've seen, because I've heard what I've heard, because I've been a witness to the things I've been a witness to, this is what I want to see. I, I actually, I actually want to see this, not for your experience, but for mine. I want the experience that you've had. I want that for me. And this is, this is how I know it's real. Now, this is what happens. It says this. Eight days later, about a week later, the disciples were gathered again, and this time Thomas was with them. You can bet your bottom dollar that he was with them. You can imagine this guy, as my son would say, was hanging around like a bad smell. Where are you guys going? Where are you guys eating? What restaurant are you going to? Whose house are you eating at? Where are you driving to? Where, where are you going? He is just following them around, sticking to them like glue. Why? Because he's missed it once and he doesn't want to miss it again. Oh, I wish that more people were like that. I had a guy in a church where we were. And uh, he, he, he would sit there. He'd sit there with his iPad and his, and his stylus pen and he would take meticulous notes, write down scripture references. He'd phone me during the week. He'd email me saying, hey, listen, when you said this, what did you mean? Did you, can you clarify this point? Every single time anybody said, hey, do you want to come out for prayer? Well, the first guy at the front to get prayed for was this guy all the time. And I used to say to him, like, what? Why are you always, why are you always doing this? Why do you, do? he said this. He said, I do not want to miss one thing that God has for me. That's Thomas. That's Thomas in the story. He's just hanging around with them all the time. And I wish that I wish that I wish that more people were like that. Not being blasé about God, but, but pursuing him for their own personal experience with God. Oh, and it, and it was just great. This guy was just right and everything. And you might think, yeah, that's because the guy's a loser. No. The guy wasn't a loser. He actually worked on and serviced guided weapons for the military. This guy that was in our church, he was a smart man. And he wanted every single thing that God had for him in his life. Do you want what you've got? Or do you want what God has for you? And this guy was pursuing it. And Thomas doesn't want what he's got. He wants what God has for him. So he's following around all the time. And it's eight days later. And then suddenly, even though the doors are locked, Jesus is standing right amongst them. And he goes, peace be with you. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit creepy. Peace be with you. And they jump out of their skin. Like, can you imagine how terrifying that would be? The doors are locked. Why? Because they're afraid of the Romans coming to arrest them. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears inside a locked room, standing amongst them and goes, peace be with you. You wouldn't need to say that if you used the door. But he just walks straight into the room. Peace be with you. Now listen, what happens? Look, look what happens. There's an interaction between Jesus and Thomas at this point. Peace be with you, he said. Then he says to Thomas, listen to this. Now, remember how specific Thomas was. 
Listen to this. Put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas is going on a journey from doubt to belief, but it's not normal doubt. It's doubt that is desperate for a reality. And Jesus looks at him and says, stop doubting and believe. Now, why and how is Jesus qualified to be able to say this to Thomas? What has happened in this interaction that makes it possible for Jesus to utter those words to Thomas and it not just be glib sayings? What's just happened? Put your fingers here and put your hand into the wound on my side. Now, now, like I said, it sounds a little bit graphic. Put your finger. Like, it sounds, it sounds a bit graphic and not for the squeamish. I mean, there's probably people looking at this in the room going, oh, no, 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 don't put your fingers there. Don't, don't put your hand in. No, no. But he does it. Why? Because he wants to make sure that this claim has substance. Remember when Peter was in the boat in the terrifying storm and Jesus comes walking across the water and they cried out, it's a ghost. And we said that ghosts have no substance. Thomas here, he wants to find out if these claims have substance. Are they tangible? Are they touchable? Is there a living reality to it? And he reaches out and he touches Jesus' hand and he touches the wound in his side. And two things happen. When you touch somebody, it's not a one-way valve. Think about this. Thomas touches Jesus, touches the wounds, and at the same time, those wounds touch Thomas's life. It's a two-way valve. It's not a one-way valve. It's not just Thomas touching. It's the wounds of Christ touching Thomas's life and radically changing it forever. He is never the same from this point on. And when the wounds of Jesus touch my life, when I own those wounds for myself, that's when my life is changed. When the scars in his hand and the wounds in his side are applied to my life personally, my life will never ever be the same again. And that's the truth with Thomas. Touch is a two-way thing. I was I was preaching at, a, at an event and I was talking to a man who was preaching there uh, called Roll On Ron. He's a quadriplegic and he, and he, and he sits in a, in a motorized wheelchair that he can operate with his chin because uh, he, he doesn't have any... He can breathe on his own, which is a great thing, uh, but he doesn't have any motion in his, in his limbs or anything. Um, I was talking to him one day and I, I just reached out my hand and I put it on his shoulder. 
I didn't, I didn't think about it. It was just a natural reaction. I'm just talking to somebody. I, I'm a tactile person. I often reach out and touch people when I'm, when I'm talking to them. And I put my hand on his shoulder and he went, oh. And I went, oh, what? And I, and I put my hand back. He said, should I not have done that? And he said, no, no. He said, you've, you've entered, you've entered my bubble. He said, most people don't touch quads. He called himself a quad because he's a quadriplegic. He said, most people don't touch quads. He said, we live in this bubble of, of untouchableness. Uh, we're the untouchables. People don't reach out and touch us. And he said, and we miss that human contact. It's a tangible touch. And as, as Thomas reaches out and touches Jesus, like I said, the wounds of Christ touch his life. And then he realizes that this claim, we've seen the Lord, has substance to it. It's not just mere words. He's touched by Jesus in his life. The, the risen, death-conquering Messiah touches his life. The, the winemaker, the water walker, the, the healer of the masses, the, the person who can, carries healing in him, reaches out in the same way and touches Thomas and and inspires him to say these words. Listen, listen to what he says. Stop, stop doubting and believe. In verse twenty-eight, John chapter twenty, verse twenty-eight. This is what Thomas then says: "My Lord and my God." Thomas exclaims, "My Lord and my God." It's the first time uh, a human being has has called Jesus God. I know, I know Peter's confession, we are, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But, but Thomas gets it absolutely right. My Lord and my God. Now, he doesn't mean that a human being has become God. What he means is that standing in front of him in this human body is the fullness of God crammed into a human body. And Thomas recognizes it. And there are massive implications to that confession that Thomas makes. You are the Lord and you are God. I am your servant. You can't have a Lord without putting yourself in the place of a servant. And that's what happens when God touches our life. We realize our correct place in this relationship. It's, it's an unequal relationship. Somebody said this in our church the other day when they were given a testimony. After their baptism, they, they, they said that, that I cannot love God as much as he loves me. I cannot do for God what he has done for me. This will always be an unequal relationship. And it is. In authority, God's authority is higher than mine. So his word trumps my word. Not Donald Trump's. His word trumps, it supersedes, it overrides my opinion and my views. His word is of a higher authority than my word. Incredible implications about what he says. Now, now Jesus says this to him. It's what he says afterwards. He says... Then Jesus says to Thomas, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's us. <laughs> That's us right there. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who believe me without seeing me. I haven't seen Jesus physically, but I've seen what he does. 
I've heard the stories. And just like Thomas has found out that these stories about Jesus can actually have substance in the realms that he lives in, that Thomas lives in, this deity steps into our space-time continuum and affects the world that we live in. That's what Thomas found out, and that's what I found out. And the Bible says that I am blessed because that's true in my life. Maybe that's what Hebrews chapter one, uh, chapter 11 and, and verse 1 means, that faith is the, the substance, again, that word, the substance of things hoped for, things not seen. I haven't seen Jesus, but I have faith in the fact that he can save me and rescue me and I can make that journey from doubt to belief just like Thomas, and then live with the huge implications that that, that transition and that journey has. So Father, in Jesus' name, wherever people are listening to this today, I pray that, I pray that we will have that journey, that moment where we're confronted by the risen, powerful Savior. And we realize that you're effective in the realm that we live in. In Jesus' name, help us to make the journey from doubt to belief by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Keep us safe. Bless you. Thank you for spending time with us today. Cover